Maybe then you can see me and I can see you Maybe then we'll come together as a people Tired of the pain cause it ain't new Let's come together as a people Even if we don't share the same view Welcome to the Jesus and Everything Foundation podcast. On this show, we look at all problems affecting the world and we discuss how we can solve them using the character of Jesus, unity, and decentralization of resources available to us. The character of Jesus, or as I like to call them, the Jesus character principles, are principles that whether you are a Christian or not, we can all agree on these principles. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. For every episode, we discuss a problem topic from our category list. You can find this list on the Foundation's website, jaef.foundation. We ask ourselves and listeners, what is the goal? What is the vision for this problem category? What are the potential solutions? What are the obstacles? What resources do we need? And what resources do we have? But most importantly, do these solutions and resources pass the character test, the nine Jesus character principles? If yes, then we move on to collaboration. What does this look like? This show is a platform to get the ball rolling on as many problems affecting the world as we can. We want to go beyond just talking about problems. So after the show, we collaborate by acting. First, we open the discussion floor to our listeners. Then we decentralize and open source all of our resources from brain power, manpower, utilities to capital. Before every episode, I like to ask our viewers and listeners, do you ever ask yourself, where are we going? Where is this world going? Time keeps on ticking, the day ends, a new dawn arises, and life goes on. But what is our destination? Do we have any global objectives that unite us when it comes to things like food, security, healthcare, education, or standard of living? It's a fair question to ask. If you work for a company or work for yourself, you have a general idea about your company's vision. Goal. So what is our goal, our overarching vision as the current residents of this planet? What role is your company, your city, your country playing in the big picture? And what role are you who's listening to this playing in this big picture?
Welcome to this segment of Real Life Stories. It's under our spiritual category. You can find the full list of topics we shall cover under this category on our website, jf.foundation. That is jaef.foundation. This is a story about a man called Noel who has beaten all the odds of generational curses that were stacked against him before he was born. This story is something we can all learn from that our actions, which become our habits, can be passed down to our children. You don't have to give birth to the next Noel. You can learn from his past. You see, Noel didn't have a choice in what kind of hand he would play with after he was born. He was born into a drug-dealing family. His grandfather was a kingpin, dealing in marijuana and cocaine from Jamaica to Florida. Before Noel was born, and unbeknownst to his mother, the spirituality she explored before Noel's birth invoked demonic spirits. She ignorantly opened herself up to the demonic realm and to witchcraft. The odds were stacked against him even before he had started. From his childhood to his late 20s, Noel had to deal with living in unstable homes as a child, several stepfathers, nightmares, demonic attacks, and so much paranormal activity. And this was just the beginning. His childhood trauma cascaded into teenage addictions from sex, pornography, alcohol, marijuana, cocaine, ecstasy, and anything else he could land his hands on, not to mention a couple of out-of-body experiences. In moments of despair, he would always cry out to the God of the Bible, whom he had never really known about. He was only tagging on the memory of the Lord's Prayer that his grandmother had taught him as a child and his few attendances to Catholic Church as a child. Fast forward, Noel shares a unique memory after he had started reading the Bible, specifically the Gospels of Jesus Christ. He couldn't stop reading the Gospels in fact, in one incident, Noel was out on a boat, snorting as much cocaine as he could with a friend, but all he did was talk about this guy called Jesus that he had been reading about in the Bible. Eventually, and inevitably, these truths of Jesus Christ took root in Noel's heart, and he was delivered from all his addictions, his cursed inception, and his haunted past. Noel now lives his life as a living testimony. While he is up wiring complex buildings around town, he shares the gospel of Jesus Christ to those who feel lost. Coming up on our next episode. I come home one day and my mom's like, no, Noel, the fireplace, the fireplace. You should have seen what happened. There's, so we have this fireplace in this house, and it's an old-school fireplace, pure sand, brick all the way up. There's no gas connection. There's no logs in the fireplace. It's just sand and, the, like, the retractable glass door that seals the fireplace shut and then opens. Like, like one of those retractable glass doors is almost like an accordion. It folds in, and then goes flat when you close it. Um, and my mom said that she was watching TV in the living room, and the, every wall in the living room glowed red. 
And she turned around and looked at the fireplace and she said it was engulfed in flames. The screen door was completely shut. She said, this is how she described it. She said, Noelle, I could not make a fire that good if I had tried. And I said, mom, you are nuts. Okay, <laughs> you are crazy. Like, fires don't just start from nothing. And a couple weeks later, my brother Zach, and my brother Zach's not really one to lie. This is this is the one, my brother Zach is the one who was born from the Iranian that got deported. Yeah. So he's the closest um, in age to me. We're seven years apart. He is now saying he's seen it. So I don't know what to believe. I, uh, now I'm home alone one night, okay? okay? I'm watching TV in the living room and I see every wall in the living room and the ceiling glow red. And I turn around <laughs> and I, I will swear on my life there was a raging fire in that fireplace. I had never seen anything like it. It was incredible. Like my mom said, I could not make a fire that good if I had tried. A roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Rain come, rain come, come shine, come rain, come on. South side, let it bang. Outside, let it rain. Rain down on the pain. Rain down on the slain. Rain down for my mom. Rain down on the farm. Shower us with your love. Wash us in the blood. Drop this for the thugs. No, I grew up in the mud. The top is not enough. Wash us in the blood. Now look what we headed to. Rain down on us. Rain down on us. Wash us in the blood. Wash us in the blood. Holy Spirit, come down. Holy Spirit, calm down. Thank you for tuning in to the pre-show. This is episode three of Noel's story, and we're picking up right from where the last episode ended. Okay, so we, we're back and uh, we, we're going to talk about English. So Yeah, that class, the, uh, that inclination that I had to go to English class after skipping for a month straight. It was a very powerful inclination. And I know I kind of backtracked a bit. I really wanted to hit this point because it, it definitely changed the course of my life. Like I said, I'm an electrician now. And I don't know what I would be doing with my life if I had not gone to that class, if I had not enrolled in the secondary school apprenticeship, if I had not gotten my foot in the door in the trades as an electrician. And uh, I just had this inner feeling. It was so strong. I couldn't resist it. I tried to resist it. It was so embarrassing going into that class. Everyone looked at me. I could feel shame. Hmm. I, I was this delinquent kid who who just started coming to this school who was hanging out with a bad crowd and everyone kind of knew that right people were blind but you know here I am after a month of no show and it happens to be a day where there's a presentation on on trades and how I can get my foot in the door next year in grade 12 and get a head start in the trades and work towards credits to my graduation and get paid during school hours 
Wow. So it was, it was essentially the setup was I would go to school one day and then go to work the next school one day, work next. So one week I had school three day cause it's five, five day week. So one week I would be going to work twice a week and going to school three times a week. The next week I would go, it would be it would reverse. Yeah. So right. You go to work three times and, go and school then school two. twice. Yeah. And it was seemed like a, a winner for me. You know, you're like no brainer, no brainer. I ran to the office as soon as that class ended. Like I made sure I was getting that, that head start on trades. I just knew in my heart that was what I needed to do. And it was also with a company that uh, my other friend worked for. Mm-hmm. So somebody who I was close with at that time, I knew worked for that electrical company and it just clicked. I'm like, man, Mike, Mike works for them. And he, he likes it. And I'm going to go, I'm going to do that too. And man, that, that really changed the course of my life. And when I, I'm so grateful I'm an electrician today. God has blessed me in that field. And a very good one. Well, yeah, God, God is, <laughs> is definitely, has definitely changed my work ethic and has increased my, the fruit of my labor all because of God. Praise God. I really struggled in that trade um, because most of my twenties, I was taking drugs and partying like a madman. Uh, but we'll get into that in a bit. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so at that point now, so kind of fast forward to my mom in the safe house and me kind of being in like a couch surfing nomad in a way, I just, you know, more destabilization, more uh, insecurity, more poverty. Um, and uh, so after that had happened, after my mom was going through that, she ended up getting back on her feet somehow. I remember her getting back on her feet. Okay. And, and this is where, this is where the paranormal um, started to manifest again. Hmm. So at this point I'm, I'm in grade 12 now actually. And my mom has left Dan. She's out of the safe house. I'm in the trades now. I'm in that, that trade. And so I'm about 17 years old. 16, 17 years old. And my mom gets out of the safe house and we move into a house in North Vancouver, corner suite of a, like a, a house in by Grouse Mountain. And there's a man that lives upstairs who's the landlord and my mom had seemed to have a good relationship with him and everything was hunky-dory. And this place, you know, it was a small place. There was four of us. Uh, sorry, three yeah, my, my brother, myself, my two brothers, myself, my sister, and my mom. So there would have been actually five of us. Her four kids and her. Yeah. Single mom, four kids. Yeah. So you, you two brothers, yeah. your sister, and her. Exactly. Okay. In a two-bedroom place. Oh. Yeah, so my mom is struggling, but she's getting back on her feet. Um. So this is an interesting time because you know i've had those dreams as a kid and these these those like kind of dark reoccurring nightmares and uh i hadn't mentioned this but when i was in grade six i did almost die from a pneumonia and i had something very i look back now and something very demonic happened to me 
I almost want to backtrack and explain that. It might put things into context a little bit better. There's so much to remember. I'm sorry. No, no, no. Please do. Um, to, okay, so when I was in grade six, I almost died of a pneumonia. And I remember at that point, my mom was quite stable, actually. That was a good time in my life. Um, we actually had a home and things felt normal for a, for a little while. But I almost died. And I remember my mom, you know, she was taking care of me. But I remember having these dreams. And this is going, this, this brings me back to a very dark place. These dreams were so different than anything I've ever experienced. And I have, I've never experienced anything like this to this day in the dream, in a dream sense. But in, a, in another sense, I have, and I'll explain. In this dream, I was, well, I was near to death, near death, right? And they say when you're near, near to dying, you'll, you'll manifest, you'll have crazy hallucinations and, and dreams. So I'm just going to touch base on what I experienced. I, I would be in this dream world. I'd be transported to this white void. And in this void, it was pure white forever. And I was alone in this eternal void. And immediately, like, sudden, it would happen suddenly. This object, this ginormous mechanical tubular out of this world like I'm talking a massive object almost like a ship would appear before me and I can't even like begin to describe what it looked like other than incredibly mechanical tubular like beyond reality and I felt that this whatever this was it was going to take me away forever and I would never see anyone I would ever love ever again Wow. And I would have that dream over and over and over and over again. And I would wake up from that dream feeling an emptiness that is indescribable. So incredibly empty. More empty than any demonic feeling, any demonic experience that I've ever had. And I've had quite a few that I haven't touched on yet. And I, there was moments where I would walk into the bathroom like a zombie and look at myself in the mirror. And I wouldn't even know who I was. It would take me about a half an hour to figure out who I was. Just cause you, this was you waking up from this dream. Yeah. From this one. Yeah. I don't know if it was just strictly due to. Yeah, I'm starting. There are there certain things I had I didn't touch on. <laughs> oh, man. When I was a kid that were happening to me that I, that I hadn't even mentioned yet. That I. I'm so sorry. It's so hard to jump. It's so hard to remember everything that's happened in my life. It's all so significant and, and, and it all amounts to, to Jesus, to pointing to the cross. But these dreams, I believe, were connected with something I experienced when I was a child. Um, my mom thought I had leukemia when I was a child. At about two years old, three years old, I was having these issues. Uh, I would wake up in the middle of the night. And I would walk to the window and I would point up into the sky and start screaming and saying, they're coming for me. They're coming for me. Like at about three, I think it was three or three years old. Yeah. I would say they're coming, they're coming, they're coming. They're coming to take me away. And I'll point up at the sky. Wow. And it happened every, and it freaked my mom out. 
it freaked me out. I was sleepwalking in the middle of the night, right? Pointing up at the sky. They're going to take me away. I was a young kid. I was three or four years old at this point, you know? And I had this weird obsession for aliens at that age. I would go into um, stores, like when I would walk through Walmart or something at that age, and I would see like an alien figurine. I would go to it and I would grab it. And I'd be obsessed with it. My mom said I was absolutely hyper obsessed with aliens at that age. Combined with these experiences, my mom was witnessing me in the middle of the night. Like she'd wake up in the middle of the night and I'd just imagine seeing your little son standing by the window, pointing up at this, at the sky, freaking out. You, you had, you had almost already been, um, I can't think of a better way to put it than to say you have been dedicated to the devil unknowingly. Poten potentially, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm sorry I forgot to mention that earlier, but but it, now that it ties in with, I, I felt it tied in with my experience at the, at, at, in grade six where I almost died because these, I feel like those dreams I was having was connected to whatever I experienced as a, as a child. Because this machine that appeared before me in these dreams in the white void, it felt like it felt like something alien, demonic. Yeah, like something like that was very bad. Like I like I said, I felt like I was going to be taken away forever and never see anyone I ever loved again. And and yeah, <laughs> and these experiences I was having as a kid, I don't remember them. And I remember my mom telling me she's like my my own parents, Noel didn't uh, didn't even believe me. My grandparents didn't believe my mom until I slept over at my grandparents one night and um, they woke up in the middle of the night and I was doing it at their house. So they believed my mom. So yeah, I had those experiences as a kid and then they ceased, they stopped. And, and then that experience, those, those dreams I was having when I almost died from a pneumonia, I, I, I feel like they may have been connected to that. Um, so Anyways, I just wanted to touch on that because I totally forgot to mention that. Um, so let's jump back to me being 16, 17 years old. My mom's out of the safe house. We're now living in a two-bedroom place in North Van. My mom's struggling with four kids. It's the five of us in the house. And this is when I had a, a spiritual experience that, see, le it left me, it left me now open in a way that I wasn't open before. My, my mom, she had so many stories growing up. I, I heard so many ghost stories, so many stories about my grandparents. There were more stories about things in Jamaica that happened that I never touched on, like paranormal experiences. You know, there, there was so much. Even the friends that would, my mom would bring over had stories. So I was always like kind of intrigued and, and like about with this paranormal like life that you know, my mom had experienced and, and that, you know, I, these stories were fu almost fun and exhilarating growing up. You know, they got your heart pumping. Yeah. And at the same time, they're kind of scary. So, you know, as a kid, you kind of want to get freaked out a little bit. It's, it's kind of fun. It's a weird, sick, like desire that kids have. It, it is. And I had that desire, but at the same time, like ah, part of me didn't really believe my mom, you know, I had lost a lot of respect for her at this point. And I just, you know, it, every story was just like, okay, mom, you know, it's kind of fun to listen to, but at the same time, like, I think you're just a nut at this mm. point, you know, like, look at your life. 
and I, I say this with love, I love my mom and I honor my mom, but I'm telling you the truth of how I felt. Um, so anyways, in this house, this is such an interesting experience. I, I still don't know if it was truly demonic or not, but I come home one day and my mom's like, no, Noel, the fireplace, the fireplace, you should have seen what happened. <laughs> There's, so we have this fireplace in this house and it's an old school fireplace, pure sand, brick all the way up. There's no gas connection. There's no logs in the fireplace. It's just sand and the, like the retractable glass door that seals the fireplace shut and then opens like, like one of those retractable glass doors is almost like an accordion. It folds and, and then goes flat when you close it. Um, and my mom said that she was watching TV in the living room and the, every wall in the living room glowed red. And she turned around and looked at the fireplace and she said it was engulfed in flames. The screen door was completely shut. She said, this is how she described it. She said, Noel, I could not make a fire that good if I had tried. And I said, mom, you are nuts. Okay, <laughs> you are crazy. Like, um, fires don't just start from nothing, okay? I didn't even bother. Like, she like she's showing me the fireplace. It's a normal fireplace. It's just an old school fireplace. Sand on the, on the bottom of the fireplace. Yeah. You'd put logs on the sand and you would light the log. Done. Normal fire. And mom, I see the fireplace. There's nothing in the fireplace but sand. You're tripping out, okay? You're seeing things. That's what's going on in my mind. Then a couple weeks later, my brother Zach and my brother Zach's not really one to lie. This is this is the one. My brother Zach is the one who was born from the Iranian that got deported. Yeah, so he's the closest um, in age to me. We're seven years apart. He is now saying he's seen it. So I don't know what to believe. I'm I'm thinking: Are they both lying to me? Are they both trying to freak me out? You know. Uh huh. So. <laughs> Okay, whatever. Thanks, Zach. Have a nice night, right? So I uh, now I'm home alone one night, okay? okay? I'm watching TV in the living room and I see every wall in the living room and the ceiling glow red. And I turn around <laughs> and I, I will swear on my life, there was a raging fire in that fireplace. I had never seen anything like it. It was incredible. Like my mom said, I could not make a fire that good if I had tried. And I saw it and I stood there in shock and I just waited. I waited it out and it started to dissipate and die down slowly and slowly, maybe after a couple minutes. And I remember just, I didn't feel eerie. I didn't feel a presence at all. But I know what I saw and I, I went up to it and I'm trying to be rational, man. I'm thinking about a rational explanation. I'm like, there's a gas leak. There is a spark. Somebody's up at the top of the chimney, like, like throwing a match down while there's gas lit somehow. Like I'm thinking of every explanation. I, I remember putting my hand up to the glass on the fireplace to see if I could feel heat. Now I can't recall if I felt heat or not, but I do remember putting my hand up to the glass to see if there was heat, but I can't remember if there was. Probably there wasn't. Cause I, can't, if, I can't remember. I can't remember. You're saying that if, you, if there was heat, you probably would have been like... Well, 
it, there, it may have been warm. I don't know. Yeah. I, I just remember like putting my hand on the glass. I can't remember if there was a warmth to the glass, but I opened that glass up and I started moving that sand around. I did not care. Like I'm like, there's a rational explanation to this and I'm figuring it out now. And I was moving the sand around. I was trying to smell for gas. I stuck my, I swear, I stuck my head in the chimney and looked up. Nothing, 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 nothing. It was just a empty fireplace. That's it. And so that left me, believe, first of all, believing my mom. Okay. Um, you know, I believed my mom. And, um, it left me more open, even though I had those, like I, I was told about those alien experiences and I had some crazy dreams. I was a little, I was still kind of like, uh, closed off to the spiritual realm in a weird way. And that, and that left me open, uh, even though I had prayed for my sister and felt the, the inclination, you know, to go to that class that day, like I still, that was like a spiritual barrier that had been lifted off my eyes. I, I knew that there was something really marvelous in this universe that I couldn't really understand. Um, I saw it with my own eyes and it was just out of this world. Like I saw it, it was a real fire and it was raging. It was, it was, it was so, the fire was so like, it was so violent that the flames were almost seeping through the cracks of the glass, the crevices. Wow. Um, yeah. Now, interesting. I didn't figure this out until in my mid-20s, maybe. But I had insomnia in that house for three months. I couldn't sleep. But it didn't feel evil at the time. And it doesn't, looking back, it doesn't even feel quite evil now. I don't remember feeling evil, but I remember not being able to sleep for three months and it pissed me off. It actually, I remember being angry about it because I love my sleep. Yeah. But I, I had insomnia in that house for the first and only time, the only time in my life. And uh, it could have been connected with, with whatever was going on in that fireplace or whatever I experienced. And uh, it turns out that the man upstairs, the landlord, he ended up kind of being really weird and creepy with my mom. And I don't know if it has something to do with uh, a, some kind of spiritual curse on him or some kind of spiritual ties to him, but he ended up starting getting very weird and creepy with my mom to the point where my mom's like, we got to get out of here. I remember her saying that we need to, we need to leave. I feel uncomfortable with him upstairs. He started getting weird with my mom. And I don't know if it was all linked. All three things were linked. Mm. But it could have been. But anyways, it left me quite open. That that experience left me open. Just left you kind of asking more questions and saying... It didn't leave me asking questions. It left me open. I was very into my heathenism, right? Like I was... I loved being with my friends. I loved drinking and smoking weed at that time. I was getting into ecstasy not cocaine quite yet, but like these things were way more like fleshly uh, appealing than, than me asking these deep spiritual questions to the point where I would like look into spirituality, right? I, I wasn't like at the point of looking into spirituality. I may have thought about it and it interested me and it intrigued me, but the flesh was way more gratifying, fulfilling the flesh. So the fire kind of was like... The fire just opened my eyes. Like, I was now open, but yeah. I wasn't willing to seek. Okay. Right? 
Uh, so now I moved to I moved back to East Van, um, and my mom ends up reconnecting with an old high school friend who lived on this who lives on the or lived on the Sunshine Coast, and they ended up starting a romantic relationship. And this man was wonderful. Uh, he had he was the first normal man. Had a good job. Owned a house. He worked a good, honest job and made good money. And they began a romantic relationship. So my mom would now start to travel periodically to the Sunshine Coast. And I was seeing her less. And it seemed like things were starting to work in her favor. And she ended up moving to the Sunshine Coast with my brother, Emily, or my brother, Zach, Danny, and my sister, Emily. Hmm. And so now I'm living on my own as a first-year electrical apprentice. And I got a roommate with me and i'm just living like a you know a 19 year old how a 19 year old does at this point yeah um i'm partying a lot you know chasing girls a lot trying to hold a job signing up for school to get trade my my trading my like the trade you know level up in my trade level one electrical level two electrical like Mm. so i'm trying to like manage my life while like living a party heathen lifestyle which was yes you know what i mean so and uh i have a lot of friends and some of them some some of them are more into drugs than others i had a lot of different friends with from many different backgrounds of life and i took pride in being able to jump from gangster friends to preppy friends to you know i i loved how i could just be a chameleon and fit in anywhere i went I actually took pride in that in a sick way. Um, it just made me feel like, yeah, look, like I, I got so many friends, you know. Like I love friends. I love social life. Yeah, it was it was the most important thing in my life. Um, so, yeah. So at this point, um, because of that mentality, it ended up destroying me. Uh, to and I became desperate and had to move to the sunshine coast i had to move in with my mom her boyfriend who who she started that romantic relationship with and my back in with my siblings and this is when things started to get a little creepy this is this is interesting it's it's almost like um you your mom goes away Mm-hmm. So you you become independent. Mm-hmm. You 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 have a roommate. You you you're doing your trades and and, yeah. and but there's a there's almost like a like a yoke. Oh yeah. That that seems to somehow even at this point she could have gone to Asia and you still somehow would have found yourself back with her there's like a yoke that oh is, there's is... been a, there's always been a yoke with my mom and she's always yeah it's, it's it's hard to explain that i know exactly what you're talking about and it's um it's like my mom needed me it was almost like whatever was attached to my mom always pulled me back to her in a weird way hmm. um and so i was i ended up having to move to the coast and my life just fell apart Oh, and I was about 20 years old at this time. So 
here's the interesting thing. I got to give some background about this this Sunshine Coast experience. So the the house that Jordy owned, my mom's um, new hubby, boyfriend. new boyfriend. They're very, they seem very good. They were great together. He bought this house and he had a roommate living with him. Not a close friend, but a roommate. Yeah. He ended up dying in the house. He was a very unhealthy man. He died in the living room. Yeah. So, you know, there's that. <laughs> and then knowing my mom, she's already, before I moved to the Sunshine Coast, I'm already hearing paranormal stories about what she what she's she's experiencing things in this house hmm. already right i'm hearing about it over the phone when i'm speaking she's telling me these stories and these it's it's you know she's connecting it with the man that died in the house hmm. here we go again familiar spirit okay she's connecting it with the guy that died at the house she's telling me okay so the guy who died in the house he had a room upstairs jordy's room was downstairs my little sister Ends up, she she gives my little sister that room. Okay? And in my mind, I'm like, what the hell? Like, you're giving your daughter the room of the man who died downstairs. Like, how <laughs> creepy is that? Okay? Yeah, that is. She, my, my little sister was very articulate at a young age. She could put together full sentences quite young. She almost talked like an old lady. At a very young, she was like an old lady in a, in a little child's body. The way she would talk, and she would. My mom would say, "Well, she comes downstairs in the middle of the night, and she says a man is talking to her. She says somebody is talking to her in her bedroom, and he's a very nice man." My mom is freaking out a little bit, like she, she's not buying this nice man crap, but she believes Emily that she's having these experiences, and Emily is also um, talking about like quite like alien experiences as well like abduction abduction type of experiences so she's explaining emily is is explaining these things to my mom in the middle of the night she's coming downstairs and how old how old is emily alien? is probably i want to say at this point she's probably around four so emily is going through the same thing that you went through yes very very similar not to the same degree. I think hers is worse. And and listen, like it's worse. So you know, before and this is before, so this is before I move in. I'm getting these like I'm getting this information from my mom about this place that she's living in. And like, why is happening again? Like like this is just a, another day in my mother's life. Um, here we go again. Here we go again. So my mom explains a, a story that really uh, messed her up. Um, Emily wakes so every time Emily woke up my mom in the middle of the night with these stories there was there was no like didn't seem like an urgent there was no like f she wasn't frightened Emily wasn't frightened but this time Emily woke up my mom frightened and crying and freaking out and so my mom gets up and the bed is in the middle of the night she's looking at Emily Jordy's beside her and Emily is crying like two feet away from my mom. And this is what my mom said, okay? I'm not lying to you. This is what my mom said. And Jordy did not believe in anything ghostly until this moment. My, my mom, <laughs> yeah, she, he did not believe in anything. So when uh, Emily was, so he didn't believe any of the other stories. Any of the other stories, did not believe it at all. But this changed him. 
my 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 sister, my mother grabbed Emily's hands. And said, "Honey, like, are you okay?" Grabs my sister's hands, and my mom said, "She she gets she she suddenly is like something from the other side of Emily pulled her legs the other way." So, and my mom felt Emily get pulled away from her. But there was nothing on the other side of Emily. Her body just flattened out like something was taking her ankles and pulling it away from my mom. But at that point, my mom had grabbed Emily's hands like, are you okay? And then it's like she felt something pull her daughter away from her. And mm. she pulled Emily back towards her and she felt it pull Emily back, Emily back again. She felt a resistance, like a tug of war with her own daughter, with a spirit. And Jordy woke up and saw some shadowy figure at the end of the bed. He said he woke up and he, he, there was something going on in the room. He knew. Okay? And when I was told that story, I'm like, man, you, you've got to get the hell out of that house. Right? So I think what happened after that is my mom moved Emily downstairs. And my brother, Zach, inherits the room upstairs. Like, are you, are you kidding me? Like, man, burn the house down. Get out. This is Amityville horror. Like, how are you still living there? Like, how are you bearing this? You know, and then now me. Now I'm hit I hit this desperation. Now I need to move in with my mom. I need now need to move to the Sunshine Coast. And now that's kind of you know, that's another heavy thing for me to deal with. Um you know how many times I've moved over 30 times in my life. I've been very unstable. So this is just another move for me. This was episode three of Noel's testimony and life story. In the next episode, Noel will dive deeper into more paranormal activity in the houses they lived in, how his childhood nightmares resurfaced through his young sister, more demonic attacks, and an out-of-body experience that almost left him for dead. Buckle up. Your host for today was Calvin Cavanda. Thanks for listening and see you on the next episode. Us in the blood, wash us in the blood. Holy Spirit, come down. 
Holy Spirit, come down. When he saw I was free, they tried to cut me down to my knees. When he saw I could see, they tried to take the light out of me. When he saw I could breathe, Try to take the air that I need when they saw I believe. They try to take a fight out of me, but they cannot silence my peace. No. When they saw I was free, they try to me down to my knees. When they saw I could see, they try to take the light out of me. When they saw I could breathe, they try to take the air that I need when they saw I believe. They try to take the fire out of me.